are listening to The Wonder Podcast. My name is Lisa Clark, and I'm joined here each episode with my co-host, Chrissy Dunham. And we just want to say thanks for tuning in. Have you ever wondered what the Bible has to say about worry and fear? Have you ever wondered how to decorate an odd-shaped room? Have you ever wondered how to make a quiche with a sweet potato crust? Well, you're in the right place because we talk about all the things. If we don't know the answers to some of life's biggest, most wonderful questions, the guests we have on certainly will. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. Welcome to The Wonder Podcast. My name is Chrissy Dunham, and I am here with my co-laborer and my co-host, Lisa Clark. And we are so excited to be with you guys today because we are going to discuss a very fun book. But before we get started and tell you what we're going to talk about, Lisa, what is new in your world? We're back. (laughs) (laughs) We're back. We're excited to be back and doing a book study. So what's going on? Wow. We are just running and going here you know it's may and we're launching may and summer's almost here school's almost out i've been grandbaby i've got a new grandbaby yes yes (laughs) yeah so it's good it's good ready for summer what about you summer is almost here and i can hear the moms either say yay or oh no i know um as they are looking at camps and things to do with the kids to keep them busy and who's having vacation Bible school and who's doing what. So a lot of planning that has gone on and trying to figure out summer. And it's always such a busy time. Lots of traveling will take place. And you and I get to celebrate a friend's 60th birthday in California. So I'm very excited about that. That's just, I know that'll be fun. Very excited about that too. Speaking of women in our life, we are going to spend the next few podcasts talking about the book of Esther, which I'm so excited. You know, there's only two books in the Bible named after women, and that's Ruth and Esther. And a high school girl that works with me, I said, now, don't dilly-dally today. I need to go do this podcast. And of course, then it turned into, oh my gosh, I didn't know you did podcasts. And she (laughs) studies the word, like she always has her Bible with her. She's just a dreamy, dreamy senior in high school. Wow. And so she said, what are you going to talk about? And I go, we're going to talk about Esther. And I'm so excited. And she goes, oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite books. And I love Naomi. I go, girl, (laughs) that is not the right story or the right book. (laughs) Got a little fine tuning to do there. A little fine tuning. (laughs) Just made me giggle. So Esther, I hope that a lot of people that know the word know Esther's significance because she basically saved the Jews. Yes, we'll talk about. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. It's a big deal. And they still celebrate today with the uh, holiday of Purnum. That's right. We'll get into more of that as we go into that. But today we're going to cover chapter one. And we're just basically and two. When, we're going to oh, yeah. do two chapters. Two oh, chapters we're doing today. it all on the same podcast. Yes. yes. Look at us. Yes. Y'all, I didn't even know. I thought we were just <laughs> doing one and one. Look at us. No, no, we're good. We're going to do one and two okay. today. So we're not going to read the scripture like we normally do. We're just going to kind of talk about what's going on and then yeah. stop uh, at significant Set the places. scene. Yeah. 
set, set the, the scene, scene because there's so much scene setting in this that we're going to kind of walk through the chapter versus read it verbatim and then kind of talk about it that way. We'll cover everything, but we just won't read the exact scripture because it will take all of our podcasts to get through. And that. I hope that it perks our listeners' yes. ears that they'll go back and read it for themselves. For so sure. Lisa, in our tradition yes. of starting and kicking off a new book, will you read in a nutshell? Yes, I will. So as always, I use the Holman Old Testament commentary. I use the New Testament commentary when we're in the New Testament, but here today we're in the Old Testament. So I'm using the Holman Old Testament commentary and a few interesting facts before we read in a nutshell about Esther. The author is unknown. We think he was a Jewish man who wrote this, but we're not exactly sure. He had either personal knowledge of Persian court intrigues and life or access to the detailed information. We're not exactly sure. The date was around 486 to 465 BC. It was probably written a few decades after Xerxes' reign around 400 BC. Xerxes is the king. He's the main character king or one of the pivotal characters in the book of Esther, Xerxes. And then some characteristics. I think when you study Esther, and I know I did when I did the study of Esther probably about 10 years ago, I learned the big thing about Esther that God is never mentioned. And uh, Chrissy, I'm sure you were aware of that as well. And, you know, that always just kind of, that was an aha moment for me when you realize that, that God is never mentioned. It's also the key verse of the whole book would be, you know, for such a time as this verse, which we quote and read a lot of times in where Mordecai talks to Esther and says, who knows that you were called into this place for such a time as this. So that's a big verse there, which I love. So those are kind of some, just some interesting facts about. You know what else I learned, Lisa? You may know this and didn't think it was important, but I think it's so interesting. Esther did not use her real name. Right. So her Jewish name was Hadassah. I know. I didn't know that. And if I knew it, I'd forgotten. So So I guess Hadassah was was the Jewish name and Esther was more of the Gentile name. Yes. So that was interesting interesting. too. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So here's a hint in a nutshell for chapter one. And then Chrissy will walk us through chapter one. The book opens by plunging the reader into the lavish and petty world of the Persian court. Many of the themes and contrasts throughout the book are introduced in this first chapter. Here, too, we discover the background explanation for Esther's eventual rise to Queen of Persia. So let's dive in. Okay, so we're going to walk through chapter one. And so here's what's going on. It's my kind of scene, actually, without (laughs) all the drinking, without all that heavy, heavy drinking. Right. But they have been partying for about 180 days. Wow. Which is basically six months, y'all. Six months of partying. And what I read is that Xerxes is the king of Persia right now. And he was continuing his father, Darius, his campaign against Greece. So this was a celebration and what my dad had done and what we're going to do. He was showing his power and this is what I'm about. So he was throwing a huge feast to celebrate his accomplishments, his dad's accomplishments, and to prepare the people for more military action that was going to take place. Right. So then after that 180 days, 
Then he had a small party of seven days and it was just called a banquet. And it was inside the garden at the king's palace and all the people gathered. And I don't know about you, but I would be exhausted. Yeah. Like, did these people not work? Did they yeah. leave their families? Like what went on for six months? And so then there were these seven days that went on. King or the queen, and I pronounce it Vashti. Yes. Is that how you, okay. Yeah. So Vashti, she was giving a banquet for the women. Cause you know, yeah. back in that culture, the men and women didn't really party together. So she was doing that in the royal palace. Well, on the seventh day of this banquet, the king, I mean, verse drunk. 10. <laughs> yes. Yes. Verse 10. So here's First what happened. Ten, the king is very merry. <laughs> he is, he's very, very merry. So on the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits <laughs> from wine, it says, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, and it gives their names, mm-hmm. to bring before him Queen Vashti, wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and the nobles, for she was lovely to look at. So basically what that's telling us is that Queen Vashti is a beautiful woman. Yeah. It's also interesting to point out, it said she was just going to have her royal crown. So that's not cool. Right? Right. So Vashti is over there partying with the women. The eunuchs come over and say, hey, the king wants you to come over so he can show you off because she's beautiful. And, right. you know, we still want to do that today because we love our people. Mm-hmm. And he was drunk and it was really wasn't in good taste. Right. So that's what's happened. And then in verse 12, but when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. And it says it was customary for the king to consult others in these matters. It was kind of like a council. So he called this council together and is like, you know, according to the law, she's supposed to do what I tell her to do. And she is not obeying me as the king. And what am I going to do about this? So in verse 16, one of the council members replied and said in the presence of the king and the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong, not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and all the people of the province. So in other words, she embarrassed him. Yeah. And it was embarrassing to the men that this woman would not do what the king had said. So it the chapter basically ends with him being so mad in 16, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the law, which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of the king. Da, da, da. She's basically getting kicked out. Yeah. He does not want her to be the queen anymore based on her performance. So here is the kicker. Even though God's not mentioned This was all a part of his plan. Yeah. All a part of his plan that Vashti would be banned of being queen so that he could set up a different person to be the queen. So just a couple of observations that I would apply to my own life. You know, first of all, one thing that popped in my head about Vashti. So was it right for her to stand up for her dignity or was it wrong for her to not submit to authority? 
what was the right answer here? Right. Should she have stood up, submitted to her authority or should she stand up for her dignity? And I think, you know, the Bible says submit to your husbands and all of that. And here's the deal, though. He was out of his mind. Right. He was out of his mind. I believe that God is not asking you to be under submission of your husband when they're out of their mind. Yeah. And especially when you know it's not right. She knew it was not right to parade in front of those people with just a crown. She knew that wasn't right. And so she is standing up for what is right and for her own dignity. And I think that's a lesson for us is that we are under the authority of our husbands and we're supposed to be submissive to them. But if he's not walking with the Lord and he's not doing the things that the Lord commands, I don't know that God requires us to do what he says. We have to do the things that pleases the Lord. What do you think, Lisa? Yeah. And I look at this too. He sent his people to go tell her, okay, had he come to her as a husband and said, I want you to come down. She could have talked with him about it. She could have given him her heart on this. He might've changed his mind, but he wasn't willing to go to her himself. You know, he was using these guys. And so I think obviously this is how God planned it out. And this was what was supposed to happen. Exactly. You know, but looking back, I just think that had all of this been handled differently, when you're talking about wives and husbands, and this is a king and queen, and this was a very insecure king, a king that had been having a party for 180 days. And now he's in his next week of partying. He's drunk. He's on a high horse. He's, you know, so that's one part of it. The other thing that I think that really struck out at me in verse 11 to bring the queen Vashti before the king wearing her royal crown in order to show her beauty to the people. So she says no. And then verse 13, he gets the wise people around him. He gets the wise people around him. This was a matter between a husband and wife, mm-hmm. you know, and so he had to get counsel to know what to do. How in the world is he running an, a country, you know, a land? He's so insecure and unable to make a decision because he's probably so inebriated. Right. But the people that are close to him start giving him this information in verse 14, who had access to the king's presence. And what it made me ask Chrissy to myself and maybe someone else is who has your ear? Yep. Who has your ear? Who are you listening to? Because first and foremost, the one that should have our ear is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. And we are going to get that counsel, that wise counsel from his spirit, from his word through prayer. Then outside of that, Who's your second tier of wise counsel? Who is your trusted advisor? Because these people were just catering to him. And now all of a sudden, Queen Vashti for saying, no, I don't want to come down in your drunken stupor wearing my crown. She's now responsible for everybody's marriage in the whole province. Right. Right. She's now embarrassing every man. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of an interesting thing that these men are starting to counsel him that she's got to go, you know, off with her head Mm -hmm. because you're the king and you said so. And a lot of this has to do with the setting too, you know, and the culture that they were in. For sure. Absolutely. But when you 
I always like to look at something and go, okay, what's this have to do with me? What, yeah. you know, what does this have to do? So the submission thing came to mind, but the other thing that came to mind is wisdom. You know, I think it was very wise of Vashti not to go. So yes. if we're looking for God's guidance, we need to look for God's guidance rather than the expectations of men. Yes. You know, sometimes we try to make men happy and this is a lesson in no. It's about what God has asked you to do and of course yes. God would never ask a woman to do this. Yes. Ever. Yeah. In today's times or back in that culture. It doesn't matter. God would never ask that. So wisdom isn't knowing all the answers. It's knowing what's important, asking the Lord and walking in the light of it. So I believe with all my heart, she did the right thing. Yeah. The Hebrew term for these feasts they were having is drinking bouts. (laughs) Drinking bouts. So a feast, I think of food immediately. Me too. I'm there for the food. I am there for the food. But this was all about the booze, the drinking. I have a note here that says anger and folly usually keep company with each other. Feeling wounded and humiliated. King Xerxes initiated a series of decisions based on pride, anger, and drunkenness. And he had his whole posse there of trusted advisors just fueling that, fueling that, you know, saying, it's not just you. We're talking about this is all the men of the kingdom. You know, we're going to have a, it's going to be bad. He wanted to put out a whole thing to everybody. This is what's going to happen. Exactly. So kind of an interesting thing. So Queen has been removed from the throne yes. doesn't say he, he took her out of the house so i think that she still got a room there i oh, think they I do too. probably I mean, had kids you know yeah and i bet she's still living there somewhere but anyway she's out as queen so let's move on to chapter two of esther and read in a nutshell though god is never mentioned in the book of esther the accumulated consequences speak of the providential hand of god on his people and at work in the world. Xerxes' deposal of Vashti set in motion a series of events that eventually led to Esther's ascension as queen of Persia. Okay, so let's go through here, chapter two, and just talk about some key points. So we're about four years later when chapter two gets started. And Xerxes is sitting around one day, four years later, and remembers Vashti. And what probably happened was in that remembrance, he's like, gosh, I wish I had a queen. Now he's got a concubine. <laughs> so, yes. so the Don't women, worry, have ladies, been, there's been plenty of ladies. Yes. Okay. Plenty of ladies. But those servants start coming around Vashti or Xerxes, those trusted advisors and saying, are you sad? I'm so sorry. You're sad. Well, let's put an end to this. So they basically said, let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. And so a decree goes out and they're like, let's get all the virgins around to come and we're just going to start pampering them and pampering them and doing basically years worth of pampering so that we can get these girls looking just beautiful and great. And I'll just have to say, if I got, you know, a year's worth of pampering, I'd look pretty good too, right? You know, I mean, I'd look like Giselle or... Farrah Fawcett or, you know, 12 months of beauty treatments. (laughs) Who do you want to look like? That's right. Anybody. (laughs) Anybody. (laughs) Anybody. So they get the young women to start coming and the king is like, this is good. I'm all in for this. Well, 
there's a certain man in the Citadel. So the Citadel was kind of the police, basically, the official. It was like the government, basically. And there's a man in the government called Mordecai. And Mordecai has a cousin. So let's just talk about the setting for this real quick, because I want to make sure everybody kind of understands this. So Mordecai is from the tribe of Benjamin, whose ancestors had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. So this, they were taken from Jerusalem into captivity in Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Most people know this story. It gets You get a little muddy, though, because there were several exiles and captivities. But this is the one, the Babylonian captivity, the Babylonian exile. It all happened at the same time that King Jehoiakim of Judah had been carried away. So after this captivity, the captives were dispersed. So the Jews were dispersed. And these Jews landed in Persia which is basically kind of like it's a part of Africa. Let me see. I think I wrote that in my notes. It's part of Africa, but this is kind of the area of it. Anyway, so they're here and Mordecai has kept his cousin Hadassah, also known as Esther, safe. And he basically adopted her as his own child. So he says, okay, you've got to go do this, but don't tell anyone not anyone of your nationality. No one needs to know that you're Jewish. Now, because he was part of the government, he probably understood how they would be treated. And so he made really clear to her that don't mention a word. So she's taken into the king's palace and she pleased everyone. She pleased everyone. And so she found favor with them. They were readily giving her an allowance. She was given the choicest maid servants. She was special. She was special. And so when it was time for her to go before the king, she would ask for advice. Like, what should I do? What should I do? You know, because all the girls were getting all dolled up when it was time to go to the king. All the makeup, all of the jewels, everything, you know, is their big moment. I still remember a picture growing up that it was like a beauty pageant. Right. Like that just popped in my head. Right. So when the girl would go to the king, if he liked her, if he had a great night, (laughs) he would put her in his concubine. If not, she was out. So anyway, that's about what was happening here. So when it was time for her to go, she asked, what should I do to her trusted advisor there, the king eunuch? And he goes, he basically kept her to keep, he said, your natural beauty is all you need. Keep it simple. And she did. And so in verse 15, now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abigail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women advised, and Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So she was taken to the king into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tabeth in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther, verse 17, more than all the other women. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the other virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. So there it is. Esther is now the queen. And so now he's going to throw this big feast in honor of Esther. So this is different than the feast before. 
four years later, the feast had all been about him, his accomplishments, drunken feast. But this one is about her, and he gave gifts according to the generosity of the king. So that's where we are. So then the last part of chapter two goes to Mordecai. And because Mordecai was in this official position, this government type position, he was always hanging out at the front gates of the palace. He was there a lot. So Esther was coming and going, you know, she's coming in, she's going out, she's doing her business. And so they talk a lot and they see each other and which was a blessing. But remember, mum's the word on your nationality. Mum's the word. He's sitting out there a lot and he hears these two guys talking about overthrowing the king. They want to lay hands, Bigoth and Teresh want to lay hands on the king and kill him. So he tells Esther, who goes back to Xerxes and gives him this information and says, Mordecai is the one that told me this. And so it's noted in the Chronicles that Mordecai is the one that gave him this information and those two men are killed. And so this is a big deal. This is a plot twist. And we'll see more about this later. But there was a plot to kill Xerxes and Mordecai thwarts that plot through Esther. And so she saves the king's life here. And so this is kind of a neat little thing that happens because it's just building a case for Esther and her people as we go. Mm -hmm. So kind of interesting stuff, isn't it, Chrissy? I like it. I like it. It was a huge competition. Don't you know it was fierce when you think about beauty pageants and stuff in today's times and all the things that go on and probably all the things that are said and you know, people are like, oh, she'll win based on this. She's going to lose because of this. And it's just, it's so interesting that this was kind of the same thing. And I'm sure Esther felt very inadequate. Number one, she's Jewish. She's not like the others. And she's, she's really not even supposed to be there, which is crazy, which is another reason that God is in control of every single detail of your life. Yes. No matter what he is going to give you his best, his very best. So for Esther, he is setting her up for a miracle. He is setting her up. So he allowed that. The other thing that popped in my head that as they were searching for this queen and going through all the people, this is just what Jesus does for people today. Mm. He searches and searches for even one that he can save. And he's always looking. And when you think about all the different stories, there's the lost coin, there's the lost sheep. There's a great search. And God is searching for every child because they're all very valuable to him, just like Esther was valuable, not only to Mordecai and the king, but also to God. Yeah. God chose her. Yeah. And that just blows my mind. And to think that his name's not even mentioned in this book, this book is kind of a mystery. Right. So the more I read, I'm like, why was this even in here? Well, you're going to see the end of the story, as Paul Harvey says, the rest (laughs) of the story. Yeah. Chrissy, you made me just think of something. So I'm discipling a new believer right now. And she's asking so many questions and they're so good. And she's so excited about God's word. And she just says, I just feel like I'm not worthy. You know, I just feel like I need to be doing more and more and more. Well, this 
book reminds us that we come just as we are. We come just as we are because God does all the rest. She didn't need all of the excess. She didn't need all the opulence. She didn't need all that. She came just as she was, just as her beautiful soul, which we all are in God's eyes. And God did the rest. He brought her. He elevated her. He valued her. He used her. That's what God does with all of us. We just come just as we are. And he just does the work. He just does the work. I loved one main point that they made in my commentaries. Despite the hedonistic culture in which they lived, which it was just, you know, everything, (laughs) everything that goes against the Christian life. Both Esther and Mordecai retained their moral integrity, as well as their sense of duty and loyalty to Xerxes. So we can live under our president's reign, under the government's reign, but we can also retain our moral integrity. And we can honor the government like the scripture says to do, but remain true to our God and what he's called us to do. And I think that's a very important, some people are just getting so afraid of what's happening in the world. Well, whatever's happening in this world is what's happening here. And God is above all of that. That's right. And so we keep our eyes on him and what his plans and what we know his word is true. We have to go back to what we know. And what we know is that our God wins and that he is victorious. So we stay true to who we are and the calling God has for us on our lives and and let him work out all of the other stuff. And your life's going to indicate what you really believe. You know, walking through something a few years ago and a lady looked at me and said, this is when you put into action what you believe. Do you really believe what you believe? Do you really? Because now's the time. Yeah, Now's the time that you really believe. And I'll never forget it. And those are very true words in the times that we're in now. Now is when you hold to this Bible more tight than ever before. Absolutely. Pray more than ever before. Be consistent with your time with the Lord, because that is the most valuable thing you can do. That is the best thing you can do. And this story is just going to remind us of one of the commentaries I read said, that these are just like bullet points out of Micah that Mordecai and Esther did is to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. Yeah, there you go. And he said, he said, that's exactly what they did. Just like you said, they didn't change because of the culture, which is what we need to focus on. Don't yep. change because of what's going on around us and the culture. You stay true to who you are. Yes. And that's exactly what Esther and Mordecai did. So good to just see God's hand in all of this. And his name's not even mentioned. I know. I know. That is so interesting. I just want to know why. Well, the guy that wrote it was a Jewish historian, probably. Mm -hmm. He's just writing what happened. And now it found its way into the King James Bible. And it fits perfectly because you see what God did. Right. You know, it's pretty incredible. So interesting. Yeah. So, so interesting. I love so it. So listen, y'all, we have two more chapters to go, right? We have, gosh, I think there's eight. How many more? Oh, there are eight. Okay. Is that wow. right? Yeah. So we'll probably eight. have, no, 10. Oh, 10. I keep turning. Yeah, there's yeah. 10. 
10 chapters. Yeah, because I was looking at it. So I was thinking there's probably going to be five episodes of this and we'll do two chapters every time. We'll do two at a time. I love it. Y'all, thanks for listening. Stay tuned because this story is one of the most amazing stories. And the high school girl that works for me, Elle, she still thinks Naomi is a part of this story. (laughs) We haven't got to Naomi yet, Elle. No, we haven't, Elle. So y'all stay tuned. tuned. (laughs) God bless. Thanks for listening. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. We are thrilled that you've spent this time with us. Just want to say thank you. We also want to make sure you're aware that we have another podcast called Raising Sinners. It's on the Christian Parenting Network. And we would love for you to join us there, too. If you've got kiddos or know someone who does, check us out at Raising Sinners, the podcast for parents. And lastly, Chrissy and I also want to just thank those of you who have been so generous to support our podcast ministry. If you're interested in doing that, we would love for you to go to chrissydunham.org and click on the party table. You can make any size donation and all of those proceeds go to help us with our podcast ministry. So if you've done that before, we thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you'd like to check it out, please do. So God bless you. And thanks again for listening to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. Mm -hmm.